another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, February 2nd, where the world may be celebrating Groundhog Day. Uh, We as Catholics celebrate the Feast of Candlemas, a feast day, the presentation of the Lord. This is the uh, one uh, where Jesus, after 40 days, is presented in the temple. And uh, yeah, yeah, in in, uh, the early church, uh, the Christmas season went all the way. It went 40 days. It went until this this day. But uh, that has changed. And uh, but now it's just it's still a feast day that reminds us of that moment, not only in history, where Mary and Joseph presented their firstborn as uh, ascribed by the law to God. Uh, it reminds us to present ourselves right to the Lord um, ritually, uh, you know, or, or just daily in prayer. That's that's what we get to do. Hey, my friends, I'm glad you are with me, and we are going to break open, as we always do, most of the time anyway, the first reading and the gospel for this coming weekend, uh, and it is the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. We have made it, not only to the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, wow, you know, we're, we're moving along, uh, but we've made it to February. That is a, an amazing thing that we continue to journey, at least in my hemisphere, through winter, and that's uh, that's pretty cool. So, because that means spring is coming closer. All right, what are we going to get into today? In here, we're going to hear out of the book of Job. We don't often hear out of the book of Job, very sparingly, as a matter of fact. Um, I'll talk a little bit about what that is, but uh, we're going to hear out of Job chapter seven, verses one to four, and verses six to seven today. Uh, and then we are going to. Again, here out of Mark, we're going to hear a lot of Mark this year, but we're going to pick up exactly where we left off last week. That's kind of what we do with Mark. One, because it's the shortest gospel, we've got to use everything we can. But two, because Mark is a gospel of action. And uh, if we skip over a lot, we're going to miss some, some major points. So today is Mark chapter 1, still in chapter 1 for Mark. Mark 1, verses 29 to 39. And again, don't worry if you don't remember where Mark was last week. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. Get to remind you. So I will also remind you, hey, however it is that you prepare yourself to not only hear the word of God, to receive that word of God, invite you to do that at this time, uh, to prepare yourself, open yourself, that this word may find root within you and um, that uh, it may not only find root, but impact who we are and how we are in the world. So let's break open God's word together. A reading from the book of Job. Job spoke, saying, Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, When shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness 
again. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As always, brothers and sisters, if there was something in the word that we just heard, if there is a, a thought, uh, a, an image, an idea, uh, a word, whatever, that, that really just kind of hit home to you, stay with that. That is one of the ways in Lexio that we uh, talk about how God speaks to us. Let the Spirit of God, through the Word, continue to speak to us. You know, and, and as I often say, pause the podcast and just sit with that. Ponder that the rest of the day. Chew on it the rest of the week. Uh, let God speak. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, hard readings today. Especially, I mean, Job, right? Um, but, but again, the, the idea of the thread, why would they pick Job to couple with this? So let's explore that. Let's explore that. First of all, let's talk a little bit about the book of Job. I, I am sure many of you listening to this are familiar with Job. Maybe you've read bits of it. Maybe you've read the whole thing. I am also sure that there are some out there who probably are not that familiar with the book of Job. Or, or haven't uh, read much, or even even know much of its background. So uh, I hope you'll permit me a little bit of um, history uh, into the book. So the book of Job is is essentially, brothers and sisters, a parable. Remember how we said that, what, two weeks ago about the book of Jonah? Um, both Jonah and Job are, are wisdom literature. They're asking larger questions. And uh, Jonah is almost, I mean, sometimes is thrown into prophetic literature too because they, they call him a prophet. Even though, again, remember, if it's a parable, it, it's inviting us to a deeper thought. And, and Job most certainly is a parable. How do we know that? It's a very long parable. Jonah is, is four chapters. You can read that really easily. Job is, is not. It's 40-some chapters and, and takes, uh, it, it takes discipline. And, uh, you know, you got to gird your loins if you're going in there. 
because you're gonna you're gonna spin your wheels for a whole lot of those chapters. But but ultimately, Job is wisdom literature, and it's asking the question, why is there suffering in the world? And tries to make sense of it. Okay, how do we know it's a parable? Gosh, the first chapter is. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, you know it. It's so over the top. It's ridiculous. Okay, so here's Job. He has seven sons, three daughters. Uh, he is the the greatest in the east, is what it's called. Okay, he's got. I, and I'm just going to throw these out here. I might be wrong. Seven thousand, you know, uh, sheep, and and three thousand, uh, you know, camels, and and. 500 yoke of oxygen and 500 donkeys or what I mean it really they're saying he's not only the greatest the wealthiest he's he's got all this this great family they they get along very well he's married all this good stuff is happening look at job he's awesome and then ultimately you see this little conversation between god and and satan like Satan has to go before you know god in in the daily roll call as it were and and God just kind of pokes Satan, poke, poke. Uh, hey, have you, have you considered my servant Job? He's the, he's the greatest down there, isn't he? You know, most God-fearing. And um, Satan's like, ah, you know, he's only God-fearing because of everything he has. And so ultimately God says, okay, uh, you can't touch his person, but let's see if you're right. I mean, in a sense, they're, they're rolling the dice and playing a game with Job. And again, so you know this is a parable because that's not how God operates. This is not what, what's going on. So in one day, in one day, I mean, it, it's comical. One, one person after another runs up to Job and says, all right, you, uh, you know, you ha- the shepherds were out with the, the 7,000 sheep and, uh, and the, you know, whatever tribe comes up and stole them and killed all the shepherds. And I alone have, have, you know, survived to tell you. And then he's barely got that sentence out of his mouth and somebody else comes up and says, oh, fire from heaven came down and destroyed the camels and the donkeys and I alone have escaped to tell you. He's barely done. And somebody else runs in and says, hey, your yoke of oxen, you know, this other tribe came and stole them along with the, you know, who, whatever else. They, and I alone, they put the, the rest of the sword, and I alone escaped to tell you. He's barely done, and somebody else runs in and says, hey, there was a huge windstorm. All your family, your kids, the boys and the girls were together at a, at a party under this tent, and the windstorm collapsed the tent and, and killed everybody, and I alone have uh, had survived to tell you. So essentially, in one day, gosh, in one you know bad 15-minute period, uh, all of Job's wealth and and um, reason for being, whatever, is taken away from him. And this is when we hear that lovely line, Job, Job sat down in the ashes, and naked I came into this world, naked I shall go back. You know, blessed be the name of the Lord. Um, and, uh, and his wife argues with him and, and basically tells him to curse God. And, and, but he doesn't. And uh, if we were to continue reading in chapter 2, um, Satan and God go at it again, and God pokes again, poke, poke, see, Job didn't, didn't turn. 
And Satan says, well, it's only because he's healthy. And so God says, okay, but you can't kill him. And, and Satan has boils, you know, put over his whole, or Satan doesn't, I mean, Job has boils put over his whole body. And, and essentially that's it. And then the rest of the, the book is, you know, Job has friends that come by and say, listen, you must have done something wrong because we know only the, uh, the guilty uh, have bad things happen to them. The just, you know, uh, don't. And so again, what they're doing is they're, they're taking all these things and they're asking these larger questions of evil in the world. And um, ultimately that question is not a- answered in the end. We want it answered, right? Wisdom literature isn't, it's okay to ask the question, shouldn't it be answered? Well, ultimately, so Job takes it to God and says, why did you do this to me? This is awful, right? Does that sound familiar? When you and I are in the midst and the throes of, of suffering and illness and hurt and pain? God, why did you do this? You know, maybe blaming our actions. Did we do something wrong? You know, the, the voice of the friends in us or, or this is unjust, just like Job, because he says, God, this is unjust. And ultimately, God comes out of the, the whirlwind at the end and says, who are you to be asking this question? Were you there when I created the depths of the world? You know, and all these things. Essentially saying, just just stop. Just stop. It's okay. You're going to be okay. I mean, in, in a sense, think of you who are parents uh, who have had children come to you and said, I had a nightmare. I, it's, it's awful. And us to say, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Trust me. You may feel like things are awful, but hush. Be quiet. You're going to get through this, and I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. And in a sense, that's the answer we get. We don't get the answer to why is there suffering in the world, but we do get the answer to it's okay because I'm with you in the midst of it. That's, that's, that's Job in a nutshell right there. Now, listen, that's Job according to Joe. Don't, you know, that would be awful if that's all, all you, you get. Um, but, but essentially, okay, Joe, why did you go into all this? Because we're, we're hearing Job ask the question, is not life just drudgery? Is, is that what life is all about? You know, his days are those of hirelings, a slave, you know, who longs for the shade, who's in the, in the midst of the sun. I, uh, and, and, and nights can be long, right? When we just wake up and everything is magnified at night, all of our anxieties and things, and we just lay there awake. When will the dawn rise, right? And our days, before we know it, we're like, where did, where did time go? How did I get to be this age already? And, and they're swifter than a weaver's shuttle, as he says. Um, and, and will I ever see happiness again? Which every one of us have been there, Right? in the midst of our pain. Now, in the first world, brothers and sisters, we may not read Job a lot because we have the means often to avoid pain uh, because of whatever systems we've set up or because of whatever wealth we surround ourselves with. Um, But much of the world does not have that ability. And the book of Job may resound very easily and well with them. And I think what it's, it's important for us to remember is that much of the world, this is a, is a really realistic, um, a daily realistic question and book. Uh, but, but 
even those brothers and sisters, as, as we well know, right? Even those in the first world, pain is a reality. Life, suffering is a reality in this world, and we cannot avoid it. When we lose our loved ones, when our health goes away, like Job's, when um, things, whatever we trusted in, whatever security is taken away from us, uh, whenever we lose that job or we lose that friendship or, and we question ourselves or our heart is lessened because something had to, to, to be taken away or changed in our lives. Brothers and sisters, suffering is a reality. And Job invites us into that question that we can try to put it at arm's length away and pretend it's not there. But Job, when it comes up, invites us to say, um, what suffering is going on in the world that I need to be attentive to, that I need to be a part of, that I need to reach out on behalf of, uh, or whatever, of, of, of the kingdom of God and, and love people, even if I can't take that suffering away. Um, but how can I be with them in the midst of it? Uh, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. But I do know it says, we don't, we shan't, we, we shouldn't be, we, we can't be bearing our heads to the reality of suffering, the suffering of those around us uh, and our own. Uh, okay, I'm going to move us along. How does that deal with the gospel? Because, brothers and sisters, I love that first line. Okay, remember, last week, Jesus, two weeks ago, Jesus called James and John, uh, Peter and Andrew, walking along the seashore. The very next week, we, we picked up immediately after that, when Jesus goes in the synagogue, teaches with authority, right? That authorship, and people are amazed, and he, and he heals the, the uh, man with the demon in the, uh, in the synagogue. So today, immediately, they're still in Capernaum. This is all in a day. He goes out of it, and he goes to Peter's house. And I like this line. So they enter the house of Peter, uh, the house of Simon and Andrew. Okay, because remember, Simon and Andrew were brothers. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. They were aware of the suffering in the home. And they said, Jesus, I want to connect you to this. This is what's happening in our world. And Jesus grasps her hand, approaches, by the way. He doesn't want distance to be kept between he and those suffering. He approaches, grasps, grasps her hand, and the fever leaves her. And not only that, it's evening after sunset. The whole town literally comes to Peter and, and Andrew's house, standing outside it. And uh, he heals those who are possessed by demons, various diseases, whatever. Everybody comes. Why do I say this? Brothers and sisters, suffering is a reality in this world. Peter and Andrew, James and John, recognize the suffering of Peter's mother-in-law and Andrew's mother-in-law, or Peter's mother-in-law, excuse me, um, and, uh, and pointed it out and brought it to Jesus. Our lives are not meant just to be lived on the sunny side of the street, nor the lives of those around us, because that's not the reality of humanity and, and humanity's existence. So when we see suffering around us, how do we connect that suffering to Jesus? Maybe it's through our presence. Maybe it's through our words. Maybe it's through our compassion. Um, maybe it's through simply holding... Uh, grasping a hand like Jesus did to the mother-in-law. 
but how do we connect it to Jesus? Do we have an active prayer life that reaches out on behalf of those suffering in the world? Again, maybe it's our mother-in-laws. Maybe it's it's family. Maybe it's those in our workplace. Maybe it's it's situations within the world. I don't know what, what you're called to today in the midst of it, but I know we're called to recognize suffering and where it is and somehow connect it to Jesus and to bring the whole town to Jesus and let God deal with that. We now, God may invite us into that same issue. You remember how friends came and stayed with Job? Some of them were not great friends because they kind of blamed and pointed Job. But one does come who sits with him in love and in silence much of the time just to be present with him later in the book. Maybe that's what we're called to be. Remember, we participate in creating the kingdom of God and being that face of God here now in the midst of the suffering that is a reality. And remember, when we are going through that suffering, when things, when we want to blame God and say, this is unjust and why did you do this to me and what's going on? Let's allow others to love us in the midst of that too. And let's remember God says, like, like uh, to us, like God does to Job out of the whirlwind, hush, it's okay. I'm with you. And maybe that's all we need to know. Last thing I'll say. Um, I love that at the end of the story, when Job, or Job, gosh, when Jesus is uh, going off, after he does all these healings at Peter and Andrew's house, he goes off on his own because he just needs a deserted place to pray, to remember, hey, uh, to, to be in touch with the source of all this healing, okay? Because you can't be in touch with human suffering. You, we're going to lose our own hope and our own uh, self in the midst of that. And uh, and he just needs to reground himself, of course, which he does in God. And Peter and Andrew and, and the, the tribe, they all come and they're like, hey, everybody's looking for you. And he says, eh, let us go on to other places um, that I may preach there also because the word for this purpose of I come. It, it doesn't, it's not meant to stay just right here. I guess I invite us to have this conversation with ourselves and say, are you called to stay right where you are right now? And I don't mean, hey, let's uh, sell the house and move to Denver. I mean, maybe if in prayer, that's what God is inviting you and your family and loved ones to do. Well, praise God. That's wonderful. And do we have the courage to follow that? I guess I am saying, um, is God inviting us to maybe new routines, to reach out to new uh, loved ones that we haven't talked to in a while? Uh, is God inviting us to um, new, when I say new routines, I mean, uh, okay, we still go to Starbucks to get our coffee, but maybe we don't go at the same time when we see the same people. Maybe we go at different times to encounter different people and get to love them and let them love us. You know, uh, is God inviting us I don't know, to a new career? Is God inviting us to a new place within my workplace? Inviting me to eat at different times so I can encounter different people? I don't know. Is God inviting us to change? We all can get into our routines. We find comfort there, and that's okay. That's okay, because there's a time and a place for that. But I think we need to connect in prayer to the Spirit of God, and when God invites us to something new, sometimes that something new can be very small, Sometimes that something new can be very big. But, but we have to be able to listen to that Spirit of God and allow God to speak to us, to invite us to that new place. Um, because for this purpose have I come, right? 
the the gifts you have, the voice you have, the goodness you have, the word you have, the the way you speak is is not only for those in your routines right now, but there are others who need to hear and see and be a part of that too. And when God invites us, that's the key. When God invites us, may we have the courage to say yes and move on to other locales. Let's bring all this to prayer, shall we, my friends? Uh, And we begin, as always, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth uh, luminous mystery, the transfiguration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those who most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, again, thanks for being present with me. Uh, Bless you. I hope your week is filled with every good joy. May you connect those around you to our wonderful God.